I get to wake up every day and, and, you know, meet Jeremy and meet the team. And we're talking about working on a Marvel film, working on the next piece of technology that's going to go in such and such car. Not a lot of people get to say that. So, you know, you gotta, you gotta step back and you gotta make sure you enjoy what you do and, and make sure you have a passion for it. Cause then it's just going to show when you work. Welcome to the creative tax podcast with Mike Brennan. Welcome, friends, to another episode of Creative Chats. It's the podcast for artists, makers, and content creators, where we talk about creativity, the creative process, and story. I'm your host, Mike Brennan. You can connect with me over on Instagram. I'm at Mike Bone, and you can check out some of my work on my website, which is MikeBrennan.me. I'd also love to extend an invitation to you to join our free private online Facebook group, which is called Daily Creative Habit. It's for any creative who wants to raise their hand to say, I want to show up more consistently for my creativity and craft. So if that's you, simply go to dailycreativehabit.com and join the group today. I look forward to seeing you there. Hey, for this week, I get to sit down with Danny Gonzalez and Jeremy Lasky from Perception Studios, and their work is amazing. Matter of fact, you have seen their work, especially if you are a fan of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, Way back in 2009, Iron Man 2 was their first project that they got onboarded with, and they've been working with Marvel ever since, and they work with a ton of other brands and cinematic universes. Um, They do some pretty incredible uh, graphic interfaces that you see, like when Iron Man is inside his suit, and uh, you see like kind of all those little meters and and things kind of going off. Um, They're doing a lot of that tech stuff. Uh, which is pretty amazing. And the way that they talk about it is that they uh, they kind of straddle the worlds of science fiction, you know, working with filmmakers like Marvel. And then they also do science fact in which they're collaborating with um, the world's most innovative technology brands. So they have this really unique positioning where they're creating some things, some interfaces and some some designs that show up in the movies, but then also show up in real life. And uh, I just found it fascinating that they move back and forth between these worlds. We talk about what it looked like for them to start out and to actually get a client like Marvel, right? Because everybody wants to know that, right? How do you land Marvel as a client? Um, We talk about what that journey looked like and we talk about what their inspiration is behind a lot of their work, right? Because where do you go to think this stuff up? Um, and so many other things along the way in their journey. I so appreciated my time with Danny and Jeremy, and I know you're going to enjoy this episode. So without further ado, here's my creative chat with Danny Gonzalez and Jeremy Lasky. Well, I want to welcome you guys to the show today to Creative Chats. Uh, Danny and Jeremy, thank you so much for taking some time today to, to speak with me. I'm really excited about this. Thanks for having us. Thanks. People have seen your work. I'm sure of it. Um, They may not realize that it's been your work, um, but you guys have done some pretty incredible things. And um, I'm wondering, could you just, in your own words, describe what it is that you do a a little bit so that people have context? So what it is that Perception does? Well, in a nutshell, um, we create all the different technologies for the Marvel Cinematic Universe, all the characters. And that kind of... um, brings us into the, the, the other side of perceptions um, uh, realm, which is uh, working on uh, real technology. So one kind of feeds the other, right? So we create all these uh, interesting technologies that could work in the future for all the model characters. 
um, and seem like they, uh, you know, they're only like five years, maybe 10 years away. And these technology uh, uh, companies from across the globe see it and are intrigued by it. And they want us to design or make their products just as cool as uh, Tony Stark or uh, Wakanda's technology. So we bridge the gap between science fiction and science fact. That's kind of like the, 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 the saying we like to use to make it really quick. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So does it often go from one direction to the other? In other words, that you're designing things for these movies, these films, and then it, it, it makes its way to more of the, the product in the real world type of solutions. Uh, I would say in some cases, not all, but uh, for example, when we, when we designed the, uh, I guess the, not the tracking, but the, the navigating software that the, uh, the car that um, um, Nick Fury is in uh, during Winter Soldier, when he's in the Chevy Tahoe racing down and the car is kind of driving itself because he's, he's been uh, hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, all that kind of uh, LIDAR and scanning that the car does to see oncoming traffic and being able to navigate around, all that stuff. Um, actually intrigued some people at uh, Stellantis uh, for a G project. And they reached out to us and said, hey, we're actually working on something that's very similar to that. And we'd love for you guys to help us visualize and conceptualize what that could look like for the future of the Jeep. So that led to a a project we did with them um, that I can't really talk too much about. But uh, so so in that regard, and I think there was a couple other cases um, that, yes, you know, a a movie did directly help get a specific technology project uh, for sure. And in the case with Iron Man 2, which was our first um, uh, Marvel film to work on, Back in 2009, I think uh, I would say maybe a month after uh, we delivered that project, or I should say a month after it it came out in theaters, uh, we got a call from a company in Singapore to create a uh, a tablet that was uh, to be designed by the team that designed Tony Stark's devices, designed this specific tablet. Mm -hmm. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of buy-in too, because people are seeing it in a movie and they're like, you know, I want to experience that, you know, I want that to be in front of me. Um, and so that's gotta be really exciting and, and amazing opportunities that you guys have had. It sounds like, um, I, I'm wondering like, where did all this come from? Like, what is the Genesis of your, your company? And, and was this something that like you guys both wanted to do when you were younger? Like, were there seeds of that? Or is this something that you just kind of your, your journey's, uh, took you in that direction. Could you speak a little into that? Yeah, I'll jump in. Um, we could talk for, for hours, obviously, about the last 20 years of perception. But I'll try to sum this up pretty quickly. Um, Danny and I met uh, prior to perception at a, at a legendary design studio called RGA, also known as R. Greenberg Associates. And R. Greenberg Associates was world famous for film title sequences. That's really what put them on the map. They designed the title sequence for the first Superman movie in 1978, Christopher Reeve, Marlon Brando, designed Aliens, they designed The Untouchables, they designed all these classic title sequences throughout the 80s and 90s, and then they quickly got into visual effects as well as uh, commercial production, commercial VFX. So that's actually my first job out of college, Danny's as well, was at RGA, uh, where we got to work on feature films, title sequences, and commercials. Um, but for, for the five and a half or six years we were both there, the company was slowly starting to transition into the, 
digital world, uh, you know, everything was kind of exploding with websites and the dot-com boom was upon us. Uh, so they kind of pivoted while we were both there into that, into that realm. And by 2000, they pretty much decided we're no longer doing film work and television work. Anyone who's involved in those departments is welcome to stay here and work on uh, primitive websites by today's standards um, or take, uh, take the exit door. Uh, so uh, I left pretty quickly. Danny stuck around for a little while, but we had started be the beginning conversations about our own uh, company, our own enterprise of designing digital effects and animation on the desktop. You know, technology had advanced at that point to a level where it could be accomplished on computers that were affordable. You know, when we were at RGA, we were using very high-end machines and workstations, but we were now graduating to a time of the digital video revolution. After Effects was very powerful and getting stronger every year. Final Cut Pro was out making, uh, you know, Avid's almost unnecessary at the time. Um, so we, we realized we could actually do everything that we were doing at RGA, but we could do it on a couple of Macs and, and the right software and a lot of the experience that we had already just applied to these, to these tools. So that was sort of the foundation of perception. Um, we incorporated in the fall of 2001. So that was 20 years ago, November, um, which, is, uh, which is remarkable to, to me just to think about it. Um, so I just have to pause for a second and tell you that one of the things Danny and I have in common uh, is a love of Marvel. We grew up as Marvel collectors, uh, comic collectors and superhero uh, fanatics. Danny's favorite character was Wolverine. Mine was the Hulk. Um, and that comes back to the story later. But as luck would have it or just timing, uh, you know, the Marvel Cinematic Universe was in its infancy when Perception was born. Um, biggest or the first movie of note, you know, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe was X-Men, which came out in 2000 with Hugh Jackman, of course, and the Brian Singer film. Uh, Patrick Stewart. And, you know, prior to that, there was Blade, there was a couple of other Marvel films, but nothing of this level, you know. Uh, so it was the first time that, you know, Marvel fanboys like us got to see these characters come to life on the screen. And then 2002 was the first Spider-Man movie with Tobey Maguire, which of course is enjoying a nice renaissance now. Um, and there we were just, just at the early days of perception, wanting to get into feature films and title sequences and seeing these Marvel movies coming, all those, you know, X-Men and Spider-Man had sequels on, on the horizon. There was a Hulk movie that was in pre-production with Ang Lee. And all of a sudden we just got this fire to, to get involved in, uh, in some of these Marvel films. Little did we know about the MCU. This is even before, you know, Iron Man and any of the Avengers films, of course, that was not even a twinkle in the eye yet. It was really just about, you know, Hulk and, and, and Spider-Man and X-Men. Fantastic Four was coming out too at that point. Um, but that really just, you know, set us on a course to figure out a way into Marvel. Um, and that took a very, very long time. It's a whole journey there of how we got through that doorway. Um, and as Danny mentioned before, the first opportunity, feature film opportunity with Marvel came in 09 with Iron Man 2. But a year or two before that, we started getting little or smaller opportunities with Marvel in the form of these animated features that they they put out uh, where we got opportunities to do the title sequences for those. And the very first one was the two characters that we were both uh, fanatical about was the Hulk versus Wolverine. And that was a cartoon. It was a feature-length cartoon that straight to DVD 
I think it's on Disney Plus for those interested. Um, and they asked if we would do the title sequence for it. And the title sequence for these feature cartoons were were no joke. They they treated them like regular feature films. You know, a lot of uh, a lot of production value, uh, a lot of care, a lot of thought. Uh, but they didn't have a lot of money. <laughs> so yeah. they want to know if we could do it for, you know, pretty much a, a zero budget in a couple of weeks, yeah. two or three weeks. And of course we said, yeah, you know, this is the, the opportunity we've been waiting years for. Little did we know it was with these characters, you know, we, it was almost like the type of project where, wait, are we paying them so we could do it? Like, you know, we <laughs> yeah. would almost pay them for the opportunity. We've had a few of those over the years, like uh, pinching yourself, you know? Um, and we accomplished it. We, we, we were very clever in our solution uh, to, in order to use that budget wisely. Um, and that led to two other uh, animated feature title sequences. And then years later, it led, to, it led to Iron Man 2. And of course, you know, the last 12 years now, um, We've pretty much worked on every major Marvel feature and Disney Plus show um, and some other miscellaneous projects with them as well. So, no, we didn't set out at the beginning, uh, you know, on this course. We just we had a love of the of this brand, love of these characters, love of film and animation and visual effects. And it all kind of collided nicely. The tech stuff, though, however, is something we never would have predicted. Um, you know, we weren't. We weren't aiming or gunning for the technology of Iron Man 2 as a, as a project or was it something we set out, we want to do the tech, we want to do the titles. Um, that didn't happen, but you know, for us, the tech was, was just as good, if not better, because of what it did for the company and the doors that it opened as Danny started to, uh, to explain. Yep. Yeah, that's amazing. You know, what I'm hearing in, in the story as you recount that is that, you know, you guys kept showing up and and leveraging whatever opportunity was in front of you, even if it was something that was maybe not necessarily ideal as far as like somebody coming out of the gate saying, here's your feature film, but you you kept showing up and proving yourself in those things um, and building those relationships, I'm sure. Um, would there be any advice that you could give to somebody else who maybe is listening right now, who has this goal, this dream, this idea before them that says, you know, I want to do this thing, but I'm not really sure how to go about pursuing this opportunity um, where there may be some like short little lessons or something that you could just share real quickly with what, what did you learn through that experience and what kept you pushing forward? Uh, I would say, and this sounds cliche, but I would say like, just never stop trying, you know, these days, you know, back when we were, we were uh, trying to find clients or just trying to get Marvel in general, you know, all we had was like a phone, and, um, you know, we would, we would put our work on like a VHS tape and send it to them and we'd be like, here, watch this. Now you talk to somebody like VHS, what's that, you know? <laughs> so it's a little bit easier. I, I'd say it's a little bit easier to contact people because of so, so many different uh, ways to get them between Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn, you know, all that stuff that's, that's, that's out there to use, but not everybody, you know, answers all that stuff. So no matter what, it still goes back to, you know, just trying to get in front of these people and, and just don't quit Show them the passion that you have uh, for their, for their, you know, product or for their project or whatever it might be. And, and they're going to listen. And I don't think showing up with just saying, Hey, I love your stuff is going to make it anymore. I think you have to say, I love your stuff. And I want to show you something that I've done that I think is relevant to what, you know, 
what you have or what your product is or what your movie is going to be. Um, because then I think they pause like, okay, is this person has a passion for this? Maybe there's something I should, you know, I should, I should check out. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, one of the things Dan just touched on that reminds me of a, of a common thread. You were talking about threads earlier. Um, a common thread for us that since day one, that, that I think helped us, uh, win over new clients was passion. Um, I think back to the very first big project we ever won and we pitched it, which was HBO Sopranos. It was a Sopranos campaign. I think it was 2002. And, you know, it's just me and Danny in the conference room at HBO, a whole bunch of, uh, very important executives on a, in a big uh, conference table. And the two of us are holding up our ideas, shaking, you know, cause we're so nervous. But after we got over the initial nerves that we just, we just started getting so passionate about our ideas and about the Sopranos and the characters that ultimately when we got the call, I don't know if it was later that day or the next day that we got the project, the client said it was because you guys had such passion for this that we want to work with you. And you know, cut to, to the Marvel uh, opportunities. Again, I can remember one of the very first times we, we were able to like go into uh, the conference room at Marvel, which at that time was a hundred people in Beverly Hills. And we had, you know, 10 minutes of somebody's ear. Uh, I, we were both like electrified I and mean, we were exploding with passion. We just couldn't stop. Like, you know, we were beaming because it was finally like, the moment where we can let it all, you know, out how much love we have for this brand and all the ideas we have. And, you know, we actually had stuff to look at too. It wasn't just two guys uh, talking. We actually had something pretty compelling to show them. Um, and again, you know, I think that that stuck with them, the people that we met that day. And, you know, a year or two later when they needed something for Iron Man 2, they thought of uh, those guys in New York it might be good for this because Iron Man 2 didn't, it, it wasn't like they called us and said, here, do 100 shots for this movie. Iron Man 2 started with one little tiny nugget of a graphic that they needed, and they called us for it. And from that point, we just started showing the poor and more stuff that they didn't even ask for, and it snowballed into, you know, a six-month project, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it comes back to, I think, our upbringing and just the fact that we're both from New York. Mm -hmm. Jeremy's from Brooklyn and I'm from Queens. So there's that never say quit attitude. Yep. Because <laughs> people always say like, oh, you know, you know, you got Marvel. And like you said in the beginning, I'm glad you actually mentioned that because usually everybody's like, so you got Marvel, you know, move on to the next question. It's like, no, that took forever. It wasn't yeah. just, you know, you get a call and that was it. Like we showed them a ton of stuff. We went there, you know, we would say one day, you know, we're in New York and we'd call them and be like, hey, we're going to be there tomorrow. We'd love to show you something while we're still in New York. And they say, yeah, why don't you come by if you're already here? And then we hop on the next flight. We're literally like grabbing our jackets and going to uh, JFK and we're getting on a flight to meet them the next day in the, you know, in the morning. And we're just like, Oh my God, this is going to happen. Here we go. Um, and it's just, you know, it's a type of thing that you gotta, you just gotta, you just gotta do it. You know, there's, yeah. there's, there's nothing like taking action. So. Yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm Staten Island born and raised too. So uh New York guy, I'm in Jersey now too. So I totally get that vibe and that upbringing, but totally get that, you know, when you need to just show up, you need to swing big, you know, you need to um, be prepared. Like you guys said, it's not just all passion, but it's also like, Hey, here's how I can serve you. Here's what I have to offer. That's a value. Um, so I love that you guys highlighted that. And, um, you know, I think too many, 
times people today, because of the accessibility of the internet has given, you could think, oh, well, it's just a matter of just keep putting stuff out there, keep putting stuff out there. But there's more strategy, I think, involved, uh, at least from even what I'm hearing you guys say, um, and be willing to do those big things. Be willing to hop on a plane the next day and, and go and, and take your shot um, because mm-hmm. nobody's just going to hand it to you. Um, yeah, no. So I appreciate you guys sharing that part of your story. Uh, so often we see, you know, where somebody's at right now, but there's not a whole lot of talk of how did somebody get there. Um, and that's usually part of the journey where more people resonate with and they go, oh, you know what, these guys, like, I totally see myself in their story or I see where their story can encourage me as I'm trying to push forward in these things I'm doing. So that's amazing. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, I mean, the the, the other uh, essential and critical ingredient is is the network that you uh, that you have the network of people um, and keeping that uh, uh, constantly growing and, and and constantly nourishing it. You know the Marvel story for us uh, had a lot of a lot of dead ends, a lot of closed doors, a lot of you know unanswered emails. Um, and you know I I, I tell this story. Uh, uh, all the time too, is that, you know, I had a, a college event, an alumni event uh, many years ago. This is, I don't know, 2007 or eight, pre- predating Iron Man 2. And I didn't even realize that the CFO of Marvel was a graduate of my college. And I get these, I get, I got these emails all the time after I got out of college, you know, coming to this New York City CMU alumni event, I just deleted it. You know, I never even opened it. Uh, but then one came through like the CFO of Marvel is going to be speaking. So I realized I'm going to that event <laughs> yeah. and I, you know, again, I never go to these things. So I went that night and I, he spoke and, and, and I waited patiently to introduce myself afterwards. And, you know, that, that changed everything because, uh, you know, I got to know him. He actually came visited perception like a day or two later with some other, some other Marvel people. <laughs> And, uh, you know, all he did was make an introduction from there. You know, he introduced us to some people out in, uh, out in California. One of them is uh, someone named Kevin Feige. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and that was massive for us. And to this day, you know, there, there, was, there, were, so many, there were so many like uh, steps in this story. But to this day, when, when we do go out tomorrow and, and we get to shake Kevin Feige's hand for a second, he'll say, didn't we get introduced to you from the from Ken West, the CFO? Like, still remembers that. Yeah, you know, which is crazy. And you know, we all like you know, and I think Lou well, as well says that too. Yeah. Yep. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's that's their memory. That's fine. <laughs> it's true. He was a huge, huge, huge uh, key. It's like the golden key for us. But obviously, we did a lot as as well to uh, make the most of that introduction and and build on that relationship. Yeah. As, as long and, as the memories are good, that's all. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Right. <laughs> and that's so often what it is, right? It's, it's the relationships. It comes down to the, the basics of being, you know, a, a good person who does great work um, and shows up as dependable and um, yeah. And, and really uh, brings the value to serve other people around them. So um, I think no matter whose story it is that, that I talk to, there's always that element, you know, if they're really been able to pursue their passions and their dreams. <clears throat> There's always that element of, yeah, the people that I met along the way that I kept in contact that I kept serving. So um, love that. I mean, you brought up a great word. It's called dependable. And I yeah. feel like, you know, as long as 
you know, we're working with uh, with Marvel. We're, we're, you know, we're honored to work on all the projects that they give us. And they're, you know, they depend on us and we don't let them down. I, I, at least I, I'm saying that I think we don't let them down. I mean, they still call us, so it's still good for now. But, but uh, you know, they're very loyal to to the people that that they have confidence and and that, you know, that is in that kind of circle of trust. And luckily we're in there and we haven't done anything yet, not on wood to to break that trust, but um, but they're they're definitely um, loyal to, to a company like us and that and they know that we're passionate about it. And they can call us on a Friday and be like, hey, you gotta work 150 days straight without showering or going home. <laughs> and I'll be like, where do we sign? Right. And you know, and they love that sort of stuff. So, you know, my wife hates it, but she'll get over it. <laughs> yeah, it, it, I love that uh, it's just that can do attitude. Uh, for sure. So I'd love to transition into asking a little bit more now on the tech side of things uh, that you mentioned. And like, where is it that you find inspiration for that stuff, right? Because so much of it is future oriented, right? Um, but yet there's a, there needs to be that basis of where it, it still feels like there's reality. Um, so that's probably a fine line that you have to balance. Um, what are the things that influence that end of things? So you're talking about the tech side of the Marvel world or the tech side of perception and the tech clients? Um, well, it, well, either one, either one you'd like to okay. tackle. So on the Marvel side or on the tech, on the film side of, uh, uh, of the technology uh, realm, we have to come up with all these technologies for, for clients on the film side. It's um, it basically comes down to funny enough, the clients that we do have on the tech side and, and having conversations with them, and a lot of relationships we have with folks at like, you know, the MITs and CMUs of the world. And they'll talk to us about, hey, we're, we're thinking about this and we might need a visualization or we might need something, you know, a data or a data visualization for something that we have. And we take that and we're like, you know, that's actually interesting for the next X show. You know, maybe that's something like, you know, we can turn that into something like that could be a weapon for somebody, you know, stuff like that. So for, for the especially for the Marvel projects, you know, they'll call us sometimes in the beat before they even shoot the film and they'll say, Hey, we're, we're, you know, so for instance, you know, the first black Panther, they called us, they provided us with a tremendous amount of, of assets from, from a production Bible that was like, I don't even know how many pages it was fun. Uh, a ton of pages plus. Yeah. Um, <laughs> to, um, artwork to all this stuff, you know, anything and everything they could give us because they wanted to flood our brains with everything for it. Um, and from there, we did our own research on technologies that we were either uh, reached out to for, and maybe projects didn't happen or are going to happen in the future, or just stuff that we were looking at that was like, this is cool, this is happening, you know, check this out, this is happening in, in Japan, and they're levitating these styrofoam, little, little mini, they're like the size of BBs, you know, and they, they levitate them with these, these uh, between these, um, uh, it's like air pockets and depending on how they can control the the amount of uh air or whatever it is this, this the system that they were using they could do like shapes and different um designs and things like that I'm like wouldn't it be cool if that was like you know vibranium worked that way mm. and that's kind of how we were going down we would go down that path and then we started doing our own experiments um create, you know, we basically took a flat file out of our flat file and filled it with sand from Home Depot and started doing all this cool, like, how could you make an interface out of sand when it's kind of sloppy? 
you know, it doesn't leave like a nice clean line. It leaves like a, a weird line that your finger just leaves, you know, with like two mounds on the side. Mm-hmm. So it was a lot of um, um, R&D for that sort of stuff. And we put together like we did a technology audit. So we created our own kind of mini Bible of technologies and why we think this works. This is interesting. Maybe this is good for this. What colors could it be based off of like, you know, natural uh, colors um, in, in, you know, in, in that section of the world. Um, so we put all that together. Then we send that to the Marvel team and they check it out. And like, we love this, we love that. And it's just a constant collaboration of, you know, speaking with them and them coming up with things on their end and us coming up with stuff. And, and then from there, they went off and, and shot the movie and then, um, and they came back and we started putting everything together. One thing I'll add, um, just, just as we, um, try to solve the, the technology challenges in these films that's so important is really understanding the story that they're telling and the scene that they're trying to uh, convey and the plot that we're trying to convey to the audience. But more than anything is, is who the character is and really understanding what makes them tick, how they think, what they might have as their technology and how that technology is an extension of who they are. So of course, uh, for many years, Tony Stark was the top of the food chain in Marvel technology, right? No one had more tech than he did, billionaire and, and you know, genius and MIT grad and all these you know, incredible things. But all of his technology also was a reflection of who he is. It was somewhat flashy, right? The first Iron Man, make it hot rod red, yeah. right? Didn't have to be, but it's Tony Stark, so it's going to be flashy. And all of his um, holograms and all of his tech just really felt like an extension of his imagination and his creativity. And, and that's so important in really selling it to the audience. Like, yeah, that's exactly what Tony Stark would have. And that, that fits him. But then you go to uh, Nick Fury, you know, we, Danny was talking about the car chase and winter soldier. And we did the heads up display in his car. It looks nothing like Tony Stark's tech. It looks like what Nick Fury would have. It's, it looks like shield. It's got a utilitarianism. It's, it's almost militaristic. It's mission critical. And on and on and on. And then, you know, the Wakanda tech was very much a part of that civilization and, you know, rooted in, you know, uh, you know, the, the earth and the and the and the uh, patterns of, 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 of Africa and the colors and the palette and the textures and all these things really just to create that authenticity and make it feel like believable and and feel like it's very much uh, connected to these characters and, and their world. Uh, and there's so many more examples that we talk about, but I think that's a huge part for us that informs what the tech should be and, and how it behaves and, and how it fits the character. I love that. Is, is there ever a point at which you feel like you've exhausted the reference materials maybe that you have, or your, you know, your kind of go-to places to, for inspiration? Uh, and if so, like, what do you do at that point? I think there's certain drugs that help, uh, help with that <laughs> stuff. <laughs> And it's all legal in all the states around here. <laughs> um, I, you know, I, I think, uh, I mean, for that part, you know, when we first started with Jerry and myself coming up with a lot of the ideas, um, obviously now we have a team of designers and, and our, our creative director, chief creative director, you know, they're amazing. I think um, everybody gets inspired from so many different things that, you know, everybody gets involved with the projects here and maybe it's not uh, me or, you know, our chief creative that comes up with the idea. It's, it's a designer that just literally graduated from college and has been working here for three months and they get the winning idea. 
Um, it, it just, it, you know, I, I go to a lot of uh, old books, like literal books that you could turn to pages. Yeah. A lot of the youngsters here go right to the internet <laughs> for inspiration. But when Jeremy and I first started, you know, we, the first, uh, the birth of perception started uh, at a photo studio, a retouching studio that we share. We, we basically subletted out a closet as our studio. And it was across the street from a Barnes and Noble. And hopefully you're old enough to remember those things. They were called oh, yeah. bookstores, right? <laughs> um, like my kids are like, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, they just order stuff from Amazon, but you couldn't, you know, there's certain, even there was some great bookstores downtown um, that to this day, we have a library here at the studio have all those old books that you you can't get them anywhere um and they're very you know they're, they're very inspiring and you know like i i was saying you know when we would be going in there we'd look at architecture books for inspiration um automotive and this is before we even started working on automotive I'm, i just we just happen to be both car junkies so we'd go there and be like oh let's maybe we'll get some inspiration from some cars or something i think one time we designed a whole boxing package from a uh, from an altoids box right <laughs> <laughs> so an Altoids box, and I was like, you know, we could actually make it. There's a whole graphics package in there. Jeremy thought I was nuts, and I was probably, you know, back in my younger days, smoking something, and uh, and we came up with a whole graphics package, and, and it, 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 that that was it. It was the the, the whole uh, boxing package, all all in an Altoids box. It was crazy. Um, Love it. But I think you know, all you need is one little element. You know, it was really just the shape of it, and and all you need is one element to inspire. It's like. That's it. That's my idea. I'm going to go with that. Same thing with the Sopranos, Jeremy mentioned. We were walking uh, down the block. I think it was Best Buy, one of those stores, and they had the, these slivers where they were showing like uh, the, uh, like it was probably like a, a laptop or something that was coming out. And they like, it, they they almost took a one big poster and they just sliced it and then they offset the panels to make it look like it was, you know, sliced. And I said, we should do something like that. Or maybe you did. I don't even remember. I don't, I don't think I was high this time, but, but uh, um, you know, we had like all the different actors in there and stuff like that. And I think eventually one of those I came to life for one of the Sopranos campaign. So it's, it's amazing how like the smallest thing can inspire. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, we get it from everywhere, especially the, the, the team now the, you know, I look at the team and I get inspired just by them, by the stuff that they build and, and animate and create. Cause they're, they're a lot faster than what Jeremy and I could do now. Um, so it's awesome just seeing them in action. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard that, you know, surrounding yourself with the right team uh, definitely can make all the difference too. So yep. um, love that you guys are employing that as well. Um, I'd love to ask you the question too of like, so you've done all these amazing things. What's next? I mean, where do you go from there? What are the things that you would love to do that you still haven't done? Put people on Mars? <laughs> yeah. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Um, I, uh, I, I mentioned it earlier, I'm a car fanatic, so I just, I, I love working on, uh, automotive projects. Um, definitely love doing the model work. Um, I know Jeremy's favorites are the title sequences. I, I like doing the effects, uh, because I can't, I can't design to save my life when it comes to titles. Um, but I would say, um, Probably automotive. I mean, auto anything in transportation and like smart city type environments or like rocket uh, ships, rocket ship. Or, uh, you know what? We'd love to do um, something at Disney uh, theme park. I think that'd be interesting. Mm -hmm. Something yeah. along those lines. Yeah. Yeah. I know a bunch of guys who have done some uh, of the environmental 
aspects of that and even former Imagineers and stuff. Um, and yeah. I had the opportunity to actually go to Disneyland and Disney World with some of those guys and them telling stories behind that stuff. I mean, it's that's incredible too to, to just hear where that stuff comes from as well. So that's awesome. Well, uh, we're at the top of our time. I want to make sure I respect your time today, uh, but I'd love to ask one last question. And that would be um, one more of just a general thing that would guide you in life, right? It doesn't have to be tied to creativity necessarily, even what you're doing, but what's something that you keep coming back to again and again, that maybe somebody told you along the way, maybe someplace that you picked up in a book or someplace that was like, this is a guiding principle that really helps me maybe on a daily basis, or that I keep coming back to, to, to be kind of a North star. Is there something maybe that comes to mind for each of you? Uh, I would say, and and I think this is how also we, we, we treated or, or attacked projects when we started Perception was, on, and this is more based on, I guess, my upbringing, and I'm not going to speak for Jeremy, but I'm sure it's it's similar. Um, you know, if you're not going to do something 110%, then just don't do it. Because when we took on or when we take on certain projects, you know, we'll tell the team, like, all right, if we're going to do this, this is going to be like, it's going to be punishing. Like we're going to get hurt during this, pro- you know, it's going to be a lot of hard work, but if we're going to do it, then we got to commit yeah, to something's worth doing. It's worth doing. Right. Yeah. And if we're not going to put it all, put it all out there, then we won't take on the project. Yep. You know, I think yeah. just, just what Danny was talking about earlier to never say die attitude is that uh, I don't know if it's a North star, but just something that, you know, the two of us have developed over the years is, is a, is a pretty, a pretty thick skin, uh, you know, we're, we've gotten beat up enough times and, and uh, we've been through enough uh, of the cycles that every business goes through that it's, uh, it's kind of created a little bit of a bulletproof Kevlar vest around us, but we can take a lot of punishment um, and a lot of rough blows that I, you know, a lot of, a lot of people aren't really uh, wired to do, I guess. And, you know, we certainly weren't when we started. Uh, we learned everything the hard way. We made a lot of mistakes. Um, we learned from all of them. Um, so we hopefully don't repeat them again. Um, but it just, it builds, uh, it builds like a toughness over, uh, over the, over the course of, uh, the life cycle of the business. So, um, kind of ready to weather the storm again, if necessary. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I had more hair than Andrew Garfield in Spider-Man and now I'm almost <laughs> bald. So it, uh, it could be pretty brutal, but if you love what you do, then, you know, yeah. I, mean, I get to wake up every day and, and, you know, meet Jeremy and meet the team. And we're talking about working on a Marvel film, or working on the next piece of technology that's going to go in such and such car. Not a lot of people get to say that. So, yeah. you know, you gotta, you gotta step back and you gotta make sure you enjoy what you do and, and make sure you have a passion for it. Cause then it's just going to show when you work. Yeah. Yeah. So. Love it. Love it. Oh, Jeremy and Danny, thank you so much for sharing not only your work, that's amazing, but your story and a little bit of who you guys are. Um, Because I know that that's, you know, when people get to see that behind the work, um, then there's even more of a connection. And uh, I hope that the listeners get even more curious about what you do, explore your website and explore just following what you guys are up to um, and uh, just encourage people and reach out to them, let them know how much their work means to you and how it's inspiring the work that you do as a listener. So guys, thank you so much again for this day. Pleasure. Thanks for having us. Really, really appreciate it. Thanks for having us.
Thanks for listening today. I'd appreciate if you would subscribe, leave a rating and a review. It really helps this podcast be seen and heard by others.